0: Welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast, a potentially chaotic Winging It F1 podcast, we, because we've been yeah. recording for an hour, or speaking on the Zoom call for an hour, and we've still not got around to doing the podcast, so that's fantastic, but with me... Oh, we just
1: recorded it, just then. We were recording like
0: is, 20 minutes, I mean, you do not even introduced the podcast. <laughs> the, the voice you just heard that is the shaved Ewok himself, Nigel Chu. Nigel, <laughs> do you think England are winning the World Cup?
2: No,
0: not this year. As, well... I can put screenshots up to prove otherwise, so that's that sorted. Freddie, do you think England are winning the World Cup? Um, I
2: don't think so, but I don't know. I just, in all seriousness, on the World Cup, I'm just not really feeling it,
0: and
1: it's. A bit I odd. agree. I agree. And yeah, I'm just,
2: not feeling it. I'm completely fine with the Winter World Cup, and there being a World Cup in this in this sort of, in a part of the world where you know it's hot and it's that kind of thing. Because you know that that's fine. It's just where it is for this is just you know we've discussed this. We've got. Loads of stuff on the Qatar Grand Prix from last year. We've got stuff on Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and everything. Like it feels, does feel like a lot of the F one conversation is spilling into the football world, but just on a gargantuan scale, and it's just it's not very nice. But but anyway, sorry. I don't think
0: England are going to do well.
2: Well, they'll do okay, but they're not. I don't know. Semi's at best, at best.
0: What were you saying yeah. yesterday? Um, yeah, I I kind of agree. I think.
1: Oh, you kind of agree now. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> I, th-
0: I think
2: on the human rights issues, Nigel. Let mean come on. Oh, right.
1: So sorry meant the England stuff. Sorry. Ah.
2: Sorry. Oh, he i, I meant on the England. human rights issues. No. Oh, fine. Dictator Adam no.
0: over here. Just to be clear, to be i meant dictator to get than... this podcast back moving. To be honest, but um, yeah, I think I I was feeling quite up for it until the game started. I was just watching the coverage, and it all feels very they're trying you can feel them trying to avoid it or having to avoid it or whatever um and yeah it's just kind of in there's a,
1: I, I disagree they talked is, about it for the first 20 minutes on bbc at least. on the bbc
2: <laughs> but in the commentary of the game it was yeah uh, i mean if you turn on um, watch the last... people most people turned on i'd suggest yeah, yeah I, I that, watched... that was very much the first lines of that were very much right let's get on with the football which was yeah, yeah in context of the of the
0: show of, and with the opening ceremony coverage, and that does make sense. But yeah I, yeah, I think it's yeah, kind of turning it on ten minutes before the game kicks off and watching that, and it it feels like there's a huge elephant in the room, and that kind of doesn't feel very comfortable. So see if it's different when England are playing. But I'm yeah, I'm just not as hyped up as um, usually would be. Um, so
2: yeah, the England game's tomorrow as we as we as we're, this is released, it will be on the day of the England game. Like so. Mm.
0: But anyway, First of seven victories for the three lines. Um, we well, transitioning we're transitioning
2: to a current affairs podcast for the off season.
0: Ooh, yes, we'll do that.
2: Yeah, Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> I will <won't> be interested. <laughs> let's, brush, let's brush up on Rishi Sunak and the budget and everything.
0: I wish Ricky Sunak would brush up on the budget, but there we go. Uh, Yeah, well, (laughs) we're not here to discuss current affairs or the World Cup, really, but it's interesting to hear people's thoughts if we'd started recording an hour ago, then they could hear my thoughts for an alternate World Cup, but that's just... a good thing we're
1: not recording one hour ago, or else
0: we'll (laughs) It's really really not. It would be a bonus. It would be a bonus podcast clip at this point. Um, It would be a bonus podcast, to be honest. It wouldn't wouldn't even be a clip. Um, Maybe longer than this one, because it was Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. That was not the worst. Um, It was 3.6 for Not bad, not terrible. Uh, Not great, not terrible. Butchered the quote. But yeah, I... It happened, it was helped by some spice at the end and a lot of happiness, um, about Seb's career. Um, but you know, it's Abu Dhabi. So, what did you think of the Grand Prix, Freddie?
2: It was an event Grand Prix, exactly what you're saying with the with the storylines around it. I do think I was remarkably interested in the fight for second for some reason. I was interested, so that's fun. Um, it, yeah, you know, it was a Grand Prix that was there, it was a Grand Prix that happened, but it wasn't the worst and it wasn't the best of the season. I I enjoyed it and it was a nice, easy, calming, relaxing end into the of the season, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I I think well, it... how many Runtigan would you give it, more or less than 3.6? Out
2: of five?
0: No, I don't know what the scale is. Oh, is well, I kind of need to know the scale, don't I? Uh, how how but... do you
2: mark it out of five then, but it's out of 50 because you're putting in decimal points?
1: Uh, out of five, 2.5 probably. Then uh, it's
2: 25 out of 50.
1: Yeah, well, what, what I was going to say, it kind of summed up the season with Verstappen at the head of the field, like dominating. And then they had Perez and Leclerc fighting for second. Ferrari didn't quite have the car to, you know, that was as good as Red Bull, as has been the case over the season. Mercedes were in the third place, again, not able to challenge for the win. And then they had everyone else kind of behind that. So it kind of just, like, summarised the season in that one race for me, I thought.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, the, the qualifying session was interesting because. Hamilton was the lead Mercedes, and he's pretty much exactly what he was off the whole time in Bahrain at the start of the season. So it was full circle in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's kind of, I think like you say, it reflected the season. Um, it kind of had the potential to thrill, but never kind of really um, delivered on that. But there was some um, stuff at the end with Leclerc and Perez that ended up being quite close within two seconds. So we'll get on to that. But um, first a word for Verstappen, who kind of finished his championship as he's finished his season really um yeah 15 no wins job. i know i know That'd you've been be very looking forward to doing this you said you shed a tear after the season was finished so uh you know before <laughs> that you're be happy about Verstappen winning again
1: i did not shed a tear i've not cried for quite a long time uh what was, what was the question Light was a happy um... audience then uh, yeah, uh, Verstappen, I mean, it's just flawless, wasn't he? I think he was holding back as well. I think he was trying to t- almost tow Perez along uh, with like a two, two, three second gap so Perez could get a tiny slipstream on the long straight so not lose out in the corners. Uh, so yeah, I think Verstappen had a lot in hand. Class of the field once again. Uh, he's just, he's got absolutely no weaknesses and for him to deliver, as I've said so many times, at this high level is taking it to new consistency levels almost I think <clears throat> because even Hamilton in his dominant seasons like 2015 uh, or 2020 he would have two or three off weekends on raw pace he was off to pace but with Verstappen he never has a bad qualifying and race yes he might have one or the other like very rarely of course but on t- in terms of raw pace he's just unbeatable and uh, and yeah, he just showed that against Paris. I think he had a lot in hand as well.
0: Oh well, yeah, I, um, <laughs> I will. I, I will. I will jump in there because I think um, it was flawless on the track. I think one weakness, maybe his temperament, because I think in the last, obviously there was what happened at Brazil, and then he went on a remarkable tirade against kind of a lot of the F one world on Thursday, um, and particularly hit out to. You know, people writing about what could have happened with him and Perez in Monaco and saying, if you don't have the full facts, write the full story. But I think that's a very naive view to have. And when a lot of them are saying what you're kind of hinting that it could be, um, then I just kind of think he handled that whole situation quite badly and yeah like I say um or like I said last episode then we talked about him maturing but this felt like a few steps back to me because he just for someone who's had such an easy season he just seems to have been really riled by it and obviously the abuse that came his way and his family's way on social media is unacceptable but a lot of the stuff he was annoyed at wasn't that as well so I think that was kind of uh a, a kind of the only mark on his Kind of weekend, not in terms of his performance, but it just made me think about him in a slightly different light.
2: Yeah, I think, but I mean, I was going to say, I think his season's been very good from on track, of course, because you can't look at it and think anything else for his on track season, in my opinion. Um, I'm talking about off weekends. Yeah, there were weekends where he didn't get the result and things like that, but there were circumstances you could point to, but there are also times where it was just things just didn't go well say singapore say um a few qualifying and things like that but um i think for the most part it's just been very good and very textbook it's it's not been as dominant as the 15 wins would lead you to believe either which is a which is a definitely a mark in his favor um you look at the result today and the majority of the race it was the sort of you know two second between the top six each of them kind of thing but that's still then um 12 seconds or so separating the top six throughout the majority of the race so that's really close when you look at a lot of other dominant performances there's there's huge gaps between people and they've been obvious supreme drives this year rather than supreme car performances as well so i do think on that on that side max has been pretty exceptional but I mean we don't really expect anything else from him when he's behind the wheel of a car he's an unbeatable force and it is impressive to watch the way he just eases that eases a car into success um, his off track temperament is a bit kind of touch and go but I mean there's um, nothing I can really say more on that if that makes sense um, um, putting put behind the wheel and
1: my god he is the best driver I've seen in F1 right after so.
0: That's well, yeah. it was, as you said, an exceptional uh, weekend and finish this the season for Verstappen, um, but it wasn't quite the perfect finish for Red Bull because Sergio Perez missed out on second place, the, what would have been the first Red Bull 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship, and he missed out by three points because he was beaten by Charles Leclerc 2 Second place. Um, it wouldn't have made a difference. Actually, what happened in Brazil in the end, um, which is probably quite helpful for Red Bull going into the offseason. season. But uh, yeah, it was a tie battle at the end. Nigel, do you think there's anything Perez could have done to beat Leclerc?
1: Not really. I think a lot of this, a lot of this segment, the praise has to go to Leclerc. He drove, as he called it, a pretty much perfect race. In the first stop, he was about three seconds behind for. Uh, after like lap seven eight, and then he closed within two seconds, got in undercut cut forced Perez to pit, uh, and then he basically did the same thing when Perez pitted for the second time. He closed down the gap, got within two seconds, was going to do the opposite to Perez, or you know he or actually actually I think Leclerc said to Sky that uh, they were always going to commit to a one stop and they tricked Red Bull. But either way, he got within undercut range, forced Perez to pit. And then his time management, considering some of the problems Ferrari have had in the second half of the season, was absolutely, absolutely amazing. He got everything out of that car so much faster than Carlos Sainz, which we've seen a few times this year on Sundays. So I think Leclerc is probably the driver of the day for me. Uh, he's, he got everything right. Ferrari nailed the strategy as well. And I don't think Perez could have done more. I think in the situation they were in, they, was, they had to cover it off almost, because if they tried, if they tried to go for a one-stop, Leclerc maybe would have overtaken Perez on track anyway, because he had a, like fresher tyres by a few laps. So there wasn't too much more Red Bull could do, I think.
2: I think, yeah, Leclerc was very impressive um, in that fight for second and all of that. I do think there are obviously elements of it didn't need to be Coming down to this race for the Claire, to be honest, he should really have been a little yeah. bit higher up. I, I'm not saying he should have been um, still in the the championship fight, but there are definitely more kind of errors you can point to for the reason he's fighting for second um, yeah. than Perez. Um, I would. There's a blot in his copybook in this race as well for his lap one half weird dive thing, mm-hmm. um, akin to what Verstappen did for the championship last year. But it's just a kind of it didn't really work, and it compromised him in a run down the first back straight, which probably would have be actually be had him in a better position going just on the first lap for the first part of the race. Otherwise, but then he was already back on the back foot and had to rely on the strategy and things like that. So, I mean, probably he wouldn't have been able to make it. But Ferrari were very delicate on the tires at the start anyway. Um, So who knows? But I do think there's a blot on his copybook for this race. But other than that, I completely agreed the way they Ferrari and he handled that race with from his side of the garage for the second place from the podium. They we were always looking forward, and that was very impressive.
1: I, I do feel, though, if he got ahead on the first lap, it could have been a real reversal of what actually happened in the race. So it could have been Paris yeah, going wrong, and then Leclerc two-stop, and then who knows it, it would have been one or two seconds at the end. So I think whatever strategy both teams played, it was always going to come down to one or two seconds and the driver making the difference. And for me, Leclerc was slightly the better driver and that made, made the difference in, in, in the end, I think. Oh and,
2: yeah, I think a lot of Perez's race was quite scruffy. Um, yeah. You look at the multiple sort of times he got stuck behind the wrong car, a few lockups here and there, get, um, not making the move count when it needed to on a lapped car or on Hamilton or whoever, or on Vettel, things like that. Yeah. So it it was a scruffy race from Perez and that really set him back and that helped Leclerc's drive, of course.
1: Yeah, the the move on Vettel. Sorry, Adam, the, the move on Vettel, uh he got past but then lost it. And then he probably lost one half, two seconds from that, just by having one whole lap behind the vettel and then looking look they had 1.3 seconds to split Perez and Leclerc at the end. So those two seconds or one half seconds he lost was absolutely
0: absolutely crucial he had the same thing on Hamilton as well like a few laps before Hamilton retired, yeah. really, um, where he lost another kind of lap and a half um, behind him so yeah just kind of echo what you said I mean you know if he's coming down to the drivers then you know it there's it, you know for Perez then that's kind of not why he's there really to be battling Ferrari's lead driver so to kind of come down to a few seconds of getting second then you know I still think um, fair play to him but yeah it's kind of You know, he's there because he's not that absolute top dog driver. That's why he's in the second seat. So I think when it comes down to that, then that's kind of where things stand. So, yeah. um, But, yeah, still a very impressive season from Red Bull and, uh, you know, something for Ferrari to take. They ended up getting or holding uh, second in the constructors' championship as well. Um, So a bit of optimism to go into the off-season, but they know they need to improve um, and we'll see what happens when we get to start of next season.
2: There might be more optimism from senior personnel changes, but anyway.
0: <laughs> mm. We uh actually we did we discussed this uh on the preview show, but Freddie, what what do you make of all of this just quickly?
2: Oh well, I mean, because a Sport usually have their ear to the ground when it comes to Ferrari. Um and sir has been Fred Vasser, that is the Alfa Romeo team boss and former ART team and Renault team boss who's been linked with taking Matthew Vidotto's seat, just to you know clarify the context of this. Um I, 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 I think he would be a good signing. I think Mattia Bonotto has always been a bit of an odd one for me, in that he was he's a fantastic head of engineering, um, and it was it uh, it always felt like an odd appointment, in my opinion, to be the position he's in um, as team principal. Um, what I do think is it would be really interesting to have him stay on as head of en- head of the technical side, but I think that's just a political move that just can't really work if this is all happening. But I mean, I think. My opinion on this is that you take it as red when it's because it's tell a sport about a Ferrari personnel move. And I think Fred Vicer could give an entirely different character to Ferrari, which should be very interesting. But I would also say that Alfa Romeo Salva isn't necessarily the team to look for when it comes to really well done seasons. So who knows?
1: Yeah, the first part of what he said is what me and Adam pretty much agreed with, yeah.
0: Um, so we're in in a word uh, do you think Benotto should stay or go it's not up to him no <laughs> do you think Ferrari should keep him or get Verstappen? in
2: I don't think it will make a difference so I, I as much as I really like Fred Verstappen, and would love to see this role for him I don't I don't know I think it's a really difficult one
0: okay well we've had I, a I, the I think
2: there's an element of it where there's been an attempt at changing these problems, but it hasn't worked or, yeah. or at least it's, it's not gone far enough. And maybe it's just a case of self-realization needs to be brought properly to the forefront. And someone from the outside, perhaps is the only way of doing that. Of course, Bonotto is a Ferrari born and bred man. And so many people in Ferrari management positions are Ferrari born and bred. And the only one I can really think of is Lauren Macchi, who's come from the FIA, but, um, So maybe getting someone from the outside but with close relations to people in the team is a very good idea to take
0: a different look. Okay, so we've had a... That's my one word. We've had a a yes, a no, a don't know but maybe leaning towards yes um, that he should go. But uh, yeah, another incident that may um, divide opinion or may not... um, was with the other Ferrari with Carlos Sainz on the first lap where him and Hamilton were going into turn six and Hamilton cut the chicane in pretty much carbon copy um, incident to what happened with Verstappen last year I think Um, Lewis thought he'd been squeezed out and in fairness he didn't really have anywhere to go on the right hand side Um, I disagree um, he had loads of
2: he he turned away I think he had had room to back out and take the corner but he chose not to because it would be better for him to take the To take the shortcut, so I think he was right to have to give the position back because he definitely had room to avoid that and stay on the track.
1: I agree. I think I think there was just about a car length there. It wasn't like and to back out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I I think for me it's more the case that there was a car's width just about for me, and that's the important thing. And I think you're right. He did choose to shortcut. Again, it was very weird, though, how the stewards for it was but the FIA race director, I think it was Neil's VTech this weekend, told the teams to change their position, so they disagreed. There, the FIA, uh, the
2: the, um, the I think it was the FIA because it was all a bit weirdly communicated, <laughs> but it was it all came from um the fact that at first it was science who was under investigation or at least opening a review. Uh, oh, yeah. on science forcing a driver of a track maker said okay that wasn't the case so now we look at this with Hamilton oh, and see. then Hamilton was told to give the position back
1: oh, I see sorry I had two eyes on snooker that's my excuse that's a good <laughs> excuse.
2: <laughs> and Asim yeah. just re-watched it
1: yeah he's re he's, he's thinking like oh do I disagree or agree well, no, we, with we need to Adam be careful because
2: we could hear the sound so. yeah. <laughs> well, because
0: I, was, I was interested um, when you said you think there was a cause it's there because that wasn't my memory of it so I was watching back it's to, very see, close. to see whether I thought it was and I still don't think there is I I well, I think that
2: it... I think there's room for Hamilton to take it into his own hands and not to cut the corner and to to back out of it and stay on track and it's definitely from my opinion it's a decision from Hamilton to then cut the corner rather than to stay on track because I think it's perfectly capable of him keeping his car within track limits and staying on track he just would have lost a lot of time so he's made the decision to then go across the, the curb.
0: Well, I I think that kind of uh plays to a different issue to be honest. I think you should I think be, the issue if you're, is if you're the going issue is into that
2: I don't what, what
0: side by side, then there should be space on the outside for both cars to go through. It's kind of what
2: No, um, no, 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 no. Because um, you can't so, say that the issue plays to the fact that then the, the track then turns right. So then the, the track should be wide enough for the, for a driver to then be able to just go off when he feels like it to stay with it. No, the issue there is that hamilton was perfectly overtaken by science science put his car in a position which meant that hamilton had to back out or cut the corner which is perfect racing and things like that hamilton chose not to back out he chose to cut the corner and that's then meaning that hamilton hasn't technically lost as much time as he would do which means he's cut the corner and and also meant that um he had to give the position back to science but the the issue here is hamilton cutting the corner nothing to do with the racing because the racing is compromising the other driver and science compromised him perfectly so that he wasn't able to get a run but science was able to take the position and he was able to control hamilton behind him
0: i i i I disagree i don't think if you're coming up the inside on a corner then on corner exit if the driver's still side by side you can run all the way to the outside, which is what Science did near enough. There was maybe like a wheel's width in it. Um, there was
2: room. There was room for Hamilton to stay within track limits.
0: There wasn't. If he was to say he had to back out, I mean, we took like we said this already. He would have needed to. Yeah, back he, out he wouldn't or, be able to stay he,
2: side by side with Science. No, but that's just kind of normal racing, isn't it? Because obviously, if you're, if he was able to stay within track limits, and then would have to back out for them the next apex of whatever it is, turn six. I can't remember, and the, the second the exit, the second part of the chicane. But like that's just the way that racing is. You you put your car in a position to then pass the other car, not to then say, "Oh shit! Oh, he's got to go past me." Of course, I've got to then back out. If science was to do that, that's not racing.
0: If if you're if you're side by side going into the corner, then you should be able to be side by side coming out of it. You shouldn't just be ahead and on the inside and then be able to run all the way to the outside. Like I, think did, say, I don't, I don't I think, think he did I run all the way to the outside. If you're making an you overtake through the corner, to- then you should be leaving space all the way through the corner. And then if the overtake move is done, then that's fine. But if you're still by, side by side, you can't move over to the other side of the track while well, that drive is still there i don't think like, it, wasn't, was, it, wasn't, was no it wasn't it wasn't
2: it wasn't like he uh, moved can... it wasn't like he moved over to the track like the track forcing in a way with hamilton like it wasn't like he was side by side there then then side by side and then he went oh and i'm gonna go right a bit more it was the way he drove he drove through the corner and then opened the steering in where hamilton was so that hamilton was not ahead but side by side but not full, not you know Science was the the aggressor and the car that had, uh, was earning the position to a point where Hamilton then, if he had stayed in that position, would have been a crash. He would have been on track, but it would have been Hamilton's fault for the crash. It's similar. You can compare it to the Verstappen incident the week before, where, um, where Verstappen kept himself pinned in and things like that, and there was a crash. If Verstappen had backed out, then there wouldn't have been an incident, but he wouldn't have been able to be competitive, but that's just the way they were driving the corner. And you see this kind of move countless times. And it's a legitimate way of racing. And actually science left more room than other drivers have in the past, in my opinion. Way more people have been forced off in that kind of thing in a legitimate way. And science left room for Hamilton then stay on track and to legitimately back out. Because if Hamilton had stayed in there, he would have got a penalty in the way that Verstappen had got a penalty in Brazil. So what was going on there, in my opinion, I guess, but the way I see it, and I think the way I see it is fairly standard, is that science did leave enough room. He left an aggressive amount of room, but it was a room on the track to then...
0: One wheel's width.
2: Yeah. But that's the track limits, isn't it? If a car is fully, four wheels over the white line, then they're outside the track limits. If we're talking a full car's width then for track limits, then that means everyone's getting their laps deleted and qualifying and all of that kind of thing.
0: If you're going over the curb that's raised as it is there, then I don't think one. But he only went over the, the curb enough.
2: because he turned to the right. No, then if you're going into the a corner, corner. Well,
0: then I don't think one wheel's. Width the raised curb. You've that got is. a curb that's less than a car's width to the. Are you saying the track. a car so, should never
2: be put onto the curbs in racing?
0: I, I don't think in that well, scenario you Watch a qualifying lap and say... watch
2: watch a lap of a car and see how many times a wheel goes over the white line. Because in, that, in that
0: scenario where you've got something that you can't drive, you can't carry on driving over that, which is why he had to bail out and go right. Then you can't leave. But, but that's the thing. That's the thing. But that brings it back to the point of this is that the fact had to bail. On the fact that he had to bail, and on then, no, had to bail that, out and go right. Shared that... in fairness, and I let you speak before. So I okay. think if you're if you're going if you're going into that corner, then that's not enough space to leave. It's what I said it in the previous show. I said it um, about the the Stappen incident, and I don't think it's like racing seems to come like this. I don't remember so many of these incidents when I started watching, um, but it seems to be the case that if you take the, if you take kind of, you know, a slight advantage going into or sorry, coming out of a corner, then you can run right to the edge of the track. I and mean, we saw it because in the, he didn't run right to the Russell. edge of the track. Russell had to go off. Um, and it was okay there. They could carry on racing. But again, like I'd like to see battles be able to be continued past the exit of the corner. And I think that you should leave racing room to do that. And I think that should be part of racing. I don't think it should be if you're slightly ahead on the inside, then you can run all the way up to the outside and someone either has to back off or risk a crash.
2: Well, that's the thing. Like, Like, if racing was always going to be like that, then they'd just be side by side forever and it wouldn't make any sense anyway. Like, at some point, a car has to come out on top. And in this instance, the way that science was going to come out on top and the way he did come out on top was by putting it like by going alongside Hamilton. Let's go through the whole thing. So, like, if you take it from like the start of it, Verstappen, just, um, just that's a completely different driver. Um, science <laughs> is science, you know, pulls out under the braking, gets alongside Hamilton under braking. They're both at the apex at pretty much the same time. Science does squeeze Hamilton out, but he squeezes him to the point where it's obvious what's going to happen. So, either Hamilton sticks in it. And it doesn't work or he concedes in what in normal racing and but there's also still room for Hamilton to be, you know, not on the the raised curb. If he keeps it around with science anyway, it's just then that would mean it would just be stupid for everyone going into the, the right hand part of that chicane. Um, Hamilton then but ro- Hamilton rather than coming off the throttle and then turning in and taking the, sh- the right hand turn in a normal way in track limits the nature of the track he goes over the raised curb that the the sort of sausage curb that's there um, and cuts that corner and then ends up on the track ahead of science. but science has left him room to stay into that to make that decision the decision is all then placed on Hamilton from the way science is raced Hamilton can stay on Hamilton can concede Hamilton can cut the corner and that's science taking the position and then leaving all of the leaving everything then with Hamilton in Hamilton's side of the racing. And the way to continue the battle then for Hamilton um for him, the only option for him then is to cut the corner, which is then illegal, which means that the move from science is perfectly legal. The way um Hamilton reacted was illegal. um but the move was completed in a completely legal fashion.
0: I think if you're going into a corner side by side and coming out of the corner while you're still side by side, the only option for a driver is to either back off or cut the corner. That's an ext- extremely flawed system. It's a chicane. You should be able to continue racing through both parts of the chicane. And that, if you're saying I'd, that was Hamilton's option, while they went in side by side, then I just don't... like. That's not the kind of racing that I want to see. I'd rather cars leave space and then we're going to get better battles. We're going to get people able to continue them through several sectors rather than just getting out. I mean, you said earlier, when does the overtake think I think the, then, I think the an overtake, though, the is to try and overtake,
2: not to try and keep side by side with someone. Science is going into the move. He's trying to then complete the move. He's not trying to keep that move carried on. He's trying to complete the move. And the way to complete the move is to then just be a bit put a bit more of a squeeze on Hamilton to then try and be ahead of him and to complete the move. If it's so all about was, being uh, side by side. Him when would, he forced him off. But he was. He was Hamilton's wheel was sort of alongside where Science's side pod was. So that's, that's where that's
0: when. But it's but he's the lead car board. in that in, he's the lead car. He has
2: the corner in that incident. In that instance, sorry. He has the he has the the right to then the line because he's got himself in the position where he's the 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 driver driving the corner and he does leave him room. And you know, that's I, I, I feel no way either way, I don't know how to end the sentence because I said the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it is.
0: Um I'll throw it to Nigel. Um, what do you think? Do you see what both me and Freddie are saying, first of all?
1: Yeah, absolutely I, I always do.
0: Yeah. Uh and
1: obviously sometimes yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've <laughs> yeah, got but what I'll say is first of all, one of the best debates we've ever had up there with George Russell, Valtteri Bottas, Imola 2021 crash, which was very good. Uh, which
2: I think I was wrong with to be honest now on hindsight. Yeah, yeah, it's getting that's one for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, I do sound it's a, it, it's an it's you know, it is an interesting one because it's a wider talking point in terms of what do we want to see from racing. I think you've both got great points and I don't think the FIA know I don't think the sh- stewards know who decided whether whether it's something to penalty and whether something's not That's why we see start the English question, systems. Nigel I agree with Freddie, as I said from the start Oh, okay, he hasn't touched the question <laughs> I, I never touched the question I always answer the question no, But no,
0: yeah, that they, was a great debate some questions, But, like, but um, yeah, I think
2: <laughs> I think kind of You could just do I an just... IndyCar rolling start for the whole race if you want to, Adam, but but <laughs> they're all side by side have it's to stay side self, by side for the whole thing within
0: every limit I, possible I think kind of where I'm coming from is like with it, it seems to be the way racing has gone and so based off kind of maybe previous some previous incidents this year where this has been okay and that kind of squeezing out has been okay then that's you know, maybe more consistent there, but I don't think that's the way it is, as I said. I don't think that's the way, and I don't think it was so common when I started well, watching.
1: But, but a key part, I think, is the wider cars. The cars are a bit wider, a bit longer, the tires are bigger. So I think it's inevitable that there's always going to be a, a few more, as we've seen over the last few years, of these instances of because the cars have taken up more of the track. Was I think in the, you know, before 2017 when they had the narrower cars. I think you could.
2: You look at the Rosberg Verstappen move in 2016 at that exact corner, done in the exact same way. Yeah, they're able to stay side by side really nicely through that corner. That and I think that's because of the cars. cars. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, th- I think the cars is a key point of this, and I think that's something. I think that's an aspect that a lot of people forget, but it is a really interesting one. Uh, I do side with Freddie, though.
2: It's an annoying thing because both drivers did the exact right thing in the in in, in the incident that followed yeah. science squeeze and race in the exact way right way and to be fair to hamilton the right thing to do competitively was to cut the corner and to then go ahead um because we've seen so many times where he hasn't a driver hasn't been asked to give the position back in that scenario we saw it last year at abby Dhabi, and i said in that podcast that i think hamilton should have given the position to verstappen after that um even though verstappen came a very long way back the hamilton's reaction wasn't to fight the corner it was to go straight over the runoff, and you know, we've seen drivers gain positions through that in the ways that realistically they shouldn't. And it's, it's what we were saying about um, Gasly and Stroll in Mexico. Um, Gasly just sent it and did a stupid move, but was and, and just thought he was okay to keep the position and things like that. So, there, there are elements to the debate, but both drivers did the right thing competitively for them, and it just so happened that one of the because of things that have been um passed up on in the past in terms of hamilton i think rightly hamilton was told to give the position back in the end so yeah and that that was then sorted in a nice simple easy way and i think it would have probably been better for hamilton to give the position away immediately and to tuck into a slipstream and to keep Mm. as much much momentum as possible but you know that's a that's a sore point
0: so comparing this to the verstappen hamilton um, crash last week, which we, we also was Hamilton's fault, and I believe we all uh, said should have been a penalty. I've changed my
1: mind on that. I think it was Verstappen's fault.
0: I'll be serious. Yeah, genuinely
1: that's great because you've already me. written the article
0: about that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, if, if you've got still got the same view, then that's again Hamilton not leaving space on the inside for Verstappen. That's different because, Verstappen, different, different because it's different because the wheel is a second corner with then. his car leg with um, with his sidepod. It's certainly behind his front wheel.
1: No, so that's different because say if how if science and Howden stayed side by side and science cuts across. That's what that science is for. That's what howson did with Verstappen. staff Verstappen also in Brazil took a lot of speed, probably a bit too much speed. Looking back on it, but that didn't happen because Howden cut the corner, which is not allowed. Uh, so it's completely different. I'd say because they didn't take turn seven today. With the second part of the chicane, whereas in Brazil they did take the second part of the chicane together.
2: Yeah, Hamilton put Verstappen in the position to back out in the way that Hamilton did in Abu Dhabi. Science did that, and Hamilton backed out. Verstappen didn't back out, and there was a collision, um, which then kind of means that from both drivers really are probably instigators to that collision. And I, I I, yeah. I, I know what Nigel means, and sort of starting to come around to the the view that it was more Verstappen's fault than than hamilton's actually in that instance so it's it speaks to the like you say the whole sort of weird thing with it and that drivers should give each other room otherwise these kind of things happen but also drivers should concede otherwise these kind of things happen because if drivers are never are always sort of saying oh but they might want to keep the battle going then an overtake is never made and if a driver never concedes then collisions happen so i think to be honest there needs to be more onus in this instance in in this racing world on drivers conceding a position and having another go there's such a sort of um thing about in my opinion about overtake never being completed that um, i think kind of leads to these kind of instances and weird 45 year long debates about <laughs> a lap one clash that was resolved very easily between the two drivers.
0: Okay, I think, yeah, I think we've reached the end of that. Um, but yeah, I'd like and to thank be- you for listening
2: to the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Smashing have a good one. I was, I was trying to find yeah. the um, because I remember one of the very first podcasts we did, um, was what oh happened to happen. um battling at either the Austrian or the Styrian Grand Prix. That was an absolutely fantastic battle, and I think that all came from leaving the space and not kind of claiming the corner. Um, and and Bottas. And um, I think, yeah, it was I think I would like, um, I'd like to see with things like Hamilton and Verstappen last week, um, like Sainz and Hamilton this week, i kind of like to see those battles be able to Go, go through and both drives kind of space. Maybe it is a car thing. Um, it's so the annoying thing because you've got of... moves
2: like Verstappen on Leclerc in Austria 2019 where Verstappen just drove into him and they both and Leclerc ended up way off the track and, and that was, you know, that became a victory for Verstappen and you've got um, times where that kind of thing is allowed and times where it's not allowed and that was a definitely, in my opinion, an, an illegal overtake. Um, and it's just and um, like that was you look at what happened today between size and Hamilton and it was you know it was it was jolly good show racing comparatively to that so I don't know I, I know the incident you're talking about with um Bottas and Verstappen as well the second race of 2020 and that was very good racing but there was a big gravel trap there so even if one of them did try and own the corner then you know that it wouldn't have worked and the race before that we saw Hamilton try trying to own the quarter and get a five second penalty for album going off into the gravel so there are other sides to it so it's it, it's 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 basically the whole problem is is the fact that racing happens and everyone should just stick behind each other then we wouldn't have these kind of incidents because everything's different everything's the same but everything's different and everything's the same and stewards want to think everything's the same but it also they also say everything's different and we sit here saying everything's different and everything's the same and everything's different and everything's the same and nothing make sense to anyone and we all want to have opinions and sides and oh, I want to cry
0: I quite like racing anyway I like um... Le
2: Mans because they're all a minute apart from each other and there's never any instance anyway
0: <laughs> oh there we go That's... I like snooker <laughs> uh, let's well, watch yeah. the Indy
2: 500 where if the car does squeeze another car they all crash <laughs> so
0: let's watch well, that it's actually fantastic
2: fun and snooker is great too Oh god. Right. Let's move on, mate. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> Let's move on. Freddie's I'm not gonna say that. Um yeah, so um, Sebastian Vettel finished his uh F1 career with points in the top ten. Um it was quite uh, actually Hamilton retired first, um, which allowed both Vettel and um Ricardo to finish in the points. Um but yeah, a kind of quick word on Vessel because it was really all weekend, to be honest. I did. Um, it was quite a kind of like no, feel good um, element. And Vessel's last, although obviously he had the race and he finished in the points, then I think maybe his more significant. Impact from this weekend was the dinner that the drivers all had to celebrate his retirement. And, and it seemed like most of them came out saying we should do this more often. Why haven't we done this? I think Alonso said it was Shanghai 2016 that they'd last done one, although he was out a few years. But uh yeah, I think you know that is for me, that's a that's a really nice vettel legacy to come out that maybe the drivers think they should spend more time together and do things like that, and they're not so different as they think. Um, but Nigel, I'll throw it to you because you've not had as much to say in this podcast. <laughs> That's um, fine. Yeah, what what do you you know when you when you see Vettel um going out like that, what you know, what are you thinking? What's his kind of legacy, favorite moment, all of that?
1: He's one of the greats, one of the modern-day greats. I, wouldn't go as far, I think I've said this before, I won't go as far as a legend, but what he's done on the track with his four world titles, some of the races he's had, some of the qualifying sessions he's had. I mean, he was an absolute qualifying gage during his heyday in Red Bull, especially 2011, 2013, some of his laps in 2010, which won him the first title as well. He's, he's had one of the very few weekends, by few, I literally mean three or four weekends in F1 history were. I can give a driver a 10 out of 10 for a whole weekend rating, which never happened apart from Houghton Brazil 2021, perhaps. But his 1-2008, of course, his first win with Toy Rosso, one of the best weekends I have ever seen. And to do that at such a young age was just unbelievable if we were doing a podcast on that my word it would just be superlative for 55 minutes probably or something and i do feel we'll be slagging off of...
2: sebastian Bourdais for the whole episode <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even though technically fair. he qualified fourth and retired actually but anyway yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah I, I think that's all for me he did peak early he did make mistakes at ferrari it's a shame he never quite won that title even though he had a couple of chances uh but he's had some great races, some great moments, and I think those moments we think about, like Malaysia 2015, his first Ferrari win, uh, a couple of other, a couple of other, a couple of other, no, a couple, yes, some of his other Ferrari wins now upwards,
0: well, um, were amazing. Moments, as well. The episode, yeah, <laughs> no, well, <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, and then even his Red Bull stuff as well. Uh, so yeah, it's just amazing, and of course, what he's done off the track recently, he's been a voice. Uh, people really to listen to like say listen, climate change. There's a bit of a well, it is a crisis. You could argue, and some people would say I I, I would agree with that. And he's trying to make people aware of that. And him and Lewis Houghton have been very vocal on that. I think that takes a lot in sport because I do feel some drivers do hold back because they are sports people and feel they can't talk about these things. But Vettel has changed that over the last two or three years which I respect a lot Uh, but yeah in terms of his driving absolutely brilliant
0: just a shame he couldn't win a title with Ferrari. I think it's a real shame that we never got to see um, Red Bull and Vettel go up against Hamilton and Mercedes in their kind of respective heydays because that would have just Mm. it's kind of it's such a near miss um, but yeah it just never never came together um, to where both of them were kind of in you know, at their absolute peak in 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 the best frame of mind. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'd agree. I think there's obviously the stat that he's never once starting lower than fourth. um, And that, I think that really, uh, sorry, lower than third. Um, But, you know, I think that's kind of a a backhanded criticism really, um, because I think that speaks to just how good he was on Saturdays and how good he was then able to turn those into, you know, race wins. And, and like you said, Nigel, he just had so many weekends where he was strong throughout and he made it work on the Saturday and then was able to put that to the sword on the Sunday. There are a lot of wins where he just wouldn't be featured on TV because he just run away with it. And that would be that. And um yeah, it was, you know, at the time, um kind of at the in the running for 2013, um, when he just won everything, it was a bit, you know, odd kind of like a bit more going on here but looking back it is you know a real achievement and four world titles in a row there are not many drivers who have done that um Senna never did it Prost never did it um I think it's Hamilton and Schumacher and Vettel and Fangio um that get four in a row yeah um 17 18 19 20 um so, yeah, it's a very elite club. And I think to be at that level for so long um, is really impressive. And, yeah, just to kind of echo what Nigel said at the end, I think you kind of, when you're a sportsman and when you're in his position and when you're in F1, um, then it's very easy for a lot of people to shoot you down um, for what you're saying and kind of um, supposed hypocrisies and whatever. So I think for him to come out and do that um, and do what he has and then actually step away so that he can carry on um that fight and devote more of his time to it just you know speaks to the person he is and to see all of the F1 drivers kind of rallying around that was really nice as well.
2: Yeah, I think I'm only gonna echo what you guys say, but I, I love Seb. I think he's a phenomenal driver. I've always backed him. Um I'm wearing my uh Seb Vettel t shirt now because YouTube was... to see it. <laughs> yes, give us YouTube views. Um I just I think he's extraordinary and I think what just really makes him special isn't just his driving like you guys say, it's his character, his personality, his off-track um, supremacy is exceptional, and just, you can't look at him and think, a poor guy, a, a poor sentiment on anything, He's he's got so much going for him, and his, his on-track performance has always been really good, in my opinion, I think he's had off moments, and I think I've always been of the belief that if if he was in a if he was in a good kind of frame of mind with with Ferrari, he would have been insane there. But because of all the stuff with you know controlling the team and things like that, it didn't work. And like I I completely echo what Adam says about if you had if you had Hamilton in good frame of mind with Mercedes and Vettel with good frame of mind with Red Bull up against each other, it would be one of those title fights that is in you, you couldn't even call it because it'd be way too exceptional on both sides. Um because yeah, you know, I, I do think Hamilton wasn't in his best frame of mind with McLaren and that held him back and Vettel wasn't in his best frame of mind with Ferrari and that held him back. And I think that in both drivers speaks to excellent performances in in those eras um as well. I think it's 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 just you know, he, he's won fifty three races, fourteen of those with Ferrari, thirty nine with Red Bull, and one with Toro Rosso. He's got one hundred and twenty two podiums. He's got four world championships, and those are as much as F one tried to put way more races in there to try and make every driver a record breaking driver and things like that. Is you know, it's still impossible for loads of people to even get anywhere close to a fraction of those stats. So they're 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 not to be sniffed at and. I'm gonna really miss him in Formula One. I think it's obvious that I've not been at my most eloquent in this. But I was, I was well enough at points today watching the coverage. There's some fantastic tributes on, on the sky television on the on the Formula One television across the weekend and whatever way you collect Formula One coverage. You've seen fantastic tributes to Sebastian Vettel. And unfortunately, I feel like I've got doing this justice. But it's he's just a driver who's for the whole time been really properly watching Formula One has stood out to me and someone I've really resonated with and someone I'm going to fantastically miss seeing and fantastically miss supporting on a daily basis, daily, you know what I mean, weekly basis. And I, I'm i really feel kind of honoured to have supported him when he is winning and when he is successful and when he is in Formula One and when he is making excellent changes and being a supreme standout citizen that makes me want to be a better person and makes me want to have a fraction of the difference he can make as part of my daily life. And I look at that and think, what an impressive, impressive, just phenomenal young man that he is, because he is a young man. He's 35, and he's got the head and his shoulders of someone who's lived a thousand lives and has changed so many lives for the better, and he has done that. And you know, I, I'm a better person because of Sebastian Vettel. I, I will put my hands up and say that. So, thank you, Seb.
0: Well, I think that was a just um, while you're kind of uh, doubting how eloquent you are. I think that was a very good uh, way to finish the discussion on Seb. Um, and it was kind of fitting that he and Ricardo were battling it out at the end. Ricardo, obviously, the person that kind of um, kicked the neck phase of um, his Ferrari career um, when he came in and outperformed him in 2014. And they fought at the end, and Vessel couldn't quite get the pass done, which would have put them ahead of Alfa Romeo in the Constructors' Championship. So Alonso will get more winter time on the car next season. So, you know, great for him. Um, but yeah, Daniel Ricciardo um, also finishing in the points at the end there. Do you think we'll see him again in F1? Yes.
1: Yes. I, I think. We will, twenty I'm not sure which team. It's very difficult to say right now because it depends on what happens over the next seven, eight months. But yeah, I'm quite confident we will because I think a lot of teams will see his bad patch McLaren as a McLaren thing rather than a him thing. Uh, whether that's true or not, we don't know. But I think that's how a team like Hass or a team like maybe even Aston Martin or something or Alpine would, would see it, I think. Freddie?
2: It's an interesting one because it's it's a weird place for Ricardo to be in his career, to be in having the kind of Albon year but it is exactly that and I think Perez really solidified how difficult it was for Albon and Gasly at Red Bull and I think if you look at and we've had this discussion before, but if you look at um, McLaren, Science is the sort of odd one out driver in that team who hasn't really kind of been built into the team, um, in a way that Lando has been, because he's been there since he could touch the pedals of an F1 car, in the way that the car was built for Fernando Alonso. And Ricardo's got then the poor kind of form of that. And so did Stoffel Van Dorn, you could say. And I think they're two drivers who deserve to be on the Formula One grid. And I think on performances in McLaren, both of them probably didn't, but on performances everywhere else for all of for both of them, they deserve it. So I think there's a I think, yeah, it is a McLaren thing. And I do think that has made it less likely for him to be on the grid, though. So yeah. I don't know if it, it will really depend on how next year develops with Oscar Piastri. Because if Piastri is, is suffering in a similar way, which is hard to sort of believe based on his junior career, then that could be Daniel Ricciardo's saving grace and, and Oscar yeah. Piastri's fall but I agree. I don't really know what I want to happen in that. I want Oscar to do fantastically. And I, I, to be honest, I would have wanted Daniel to do fantastically, but like, I want both things to happen. Now I want Daniel to be kind of given a reprieve, but I also want Oscar to do excellently. So it, 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 Daniel Ricardo's career hangs in the balance of Oscar Piastri. And <laughs> and maybe so does Sofer Van Dorns, but that's clutching its jaws for me as a fan. But anyway, um, I would say I need to put my Formula re hoodie back on. But anyway, um, and I think I can't see him getting another race drive, but I couldn't see Hulkenberg getting another race drive or Magnussen. So who knows?
0: Well, it, it's um, interesting you say that because I think he is kind of the new Hulkenberg in terms of he's the one that will yeah. be linked with a lot of seats, really. You know, he's got that experience um, since 2012, I think, um, with HRT. No, it was earlier than that. 11 with HRT, oh, 12 full seats in Yeah. yeah um, and, you know, he didn't. He did. He impressed him what was a truly awful car there. But I think, um, yeah, he's kind of got that. Yes, him and Hulkenberg have had different different careers. But in terms of, I think, either way, they're ending. Um, with Hulkenberg, when he did leave, it was kind of, um, well, you know, he's you've got Ricardo coming in, and there's just kind of not maybe that obvious landing spot. And I think, you know, give him give him a bit of time out. And I think, like you said, Nigel, those that kind of. Um, I think partly just the bad, you know, the immediate memory of the last two years will be kind of put in context of his whole career. And, you know, I think teams will look at that and think, did he really become that bad of a driver effectively overnight? Um, And I kind of think that he'll get he'll be viewed more favorably in a year or two. I think if I was him, I maybe wouldn't have counted myself out of. The kind of any potential seat say at Williams and has the way that it sounds like he did, but um, you know that's his yeah. choice and he knows what he wants. So yeah, i I think I think he'll definitely be back because I think in a few years there will be teams looking for a kind of experienced head who's out of the drive and there's not really many of those around since Hulkenberg's come back. Then you know obviously drivers will lose their seats next year, but I don't really you know if you're looking for drivers on the market with what more than 2 years F1 experience then there's really not that many there
2: and I um, I think crucially in the past few years we have started viewing drivers differently and we do talk about the really cutthroat world of formula 1 and I think us as fans for a long time can be guilty of that um but we we are thinking of drivers in different ways and I think it tech goes back to what I was we were talking about with Vettel and things like that and sort of the mindset of drivers at certain points and drivers in different positions and or in their life and what team they're in because you know the, the sort of box standard opinion of a good driver is a driver is good anywhere adaptable and things like that but I think as Formula 1 cars have developed it's a much harder opinion to sort of hold water and mu- really because yeah, it's I think you can only uh, I don't really know anyone who would be adaptable in this sort of way. You look at Fernando Alonso when he started with Alpine in 2021. We talk about Fernando Alonso as he's a fantastic superior mercurial driver who's unreal everywhere, but he still struggled to get to grips with it. Ocon really struggled to get to grips with it as well, but they're building and building and building and things like that. So I do think there is a shift, and there should at least, even if there isn't, there should at least be a shift in the way that we judge drivers in these kind of scenarios. And yes, if you've got a driver who's just you know really struggling for pace it doesn't it doesn't add you know much to the adverts to another team but if he's a driver who's won 7 times with Red Bull and then another time with McLaren anyway when the cars working if he proves that when it's working it's good if you can take that and work that with him then that's a really good look what's crucial here is that obviously they weren't able to change and make it work with McLaren with Ricardo but he was right to have the second season and like you look at with Vettel, if he if they could have changed sort of mentality of Ferrari, maybe it could have. But he was also spinning; he was making the mistakes and things like that. So it's a two sides of of the coin kind of thing. But there are lots of ways to look at this, and the 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 driver second chance never used to happen, but it happens yeah. now, and it works wonders. Look at Magnussen. Look at Albon. So Perez, Perez. and. <clears throat> maybe it will work with Hulkenberg maybe it will work really well with Ricardo in the future and I, w- I would be okay with that because <laughs> second chances for a lot of these drivers are definitely well deserved
1: I agree I agree the, the one I mean it was very early on I, I say slammed Ricardo. like it was, it was only half a dozen a dozen races in last year but I will say the one characteristic that I and the reason I haven't been slated in as much this year is that I do feel he gave up, and I feel he's not shown it, shown himself that well to deal with a difficult situation. And That is the one characteristic that I feel he, what well, I'm a bit disappointed by, is that I, yeah, to give up. Well, he might, of course, he might not given up, but he did look like he lost a bit of that fight, and I do think that's why he needs that break. Why that's why he needs this year out so he can recover and then come back fighting. So I think that's more important than getting straight back on the horse. I think for someone who's been driving for over a decade, he does need need this break. But I do think he did give up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I can I can see where you're coming from from that. I think, yeah, it, it was a difficult situation. Both team and driver needed to separate uh, from each other. And yeah, it, I think so. Sometimes when um, you know when you're fighting for some, something for so long, and it's just not working. Um, you know, that is what happens. But I don't, yeah, I don't think that kind of speaks to um, him, you know, overall. And I think, yeah, he will be back and he will most likely be uh, landing with Red Bull after Helmut Marco announced they'd signed him before they announced they'd signed him. And Christian Horner gave a fantastic, uh, my favourite quote of the weekend to the media where he said, well, we haven't signed him, but Helmet's announced it. So I guess that means that we have signed him unless, of course, he hasn't signed, but he will be with us next season and he'll be doing simulator work and test runs and all of that. So we're looking forward to having him unless he we haven't signed post-raise. him, but hopefully we will have him. Um, and you will hear about that in due course when we sign him, if we do sign him, and you will hear about that, which is brilliant. So I yeah, like it's a, it's a fantastic quote, and it is very much
2: making <laughs> Christian Horner finally sound like a person. Um, <laughs> but Daniel did say to Sky, yeah, it's essentially just signing it. We just need to agree a few terms. And that's, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Horner you, said it better. I think, I've not I, said that I, many
0: times on this podcast. Uh, I think
2: I think Horner has said, that it's not a reserve role. Am, am I right in saying that it's a developmental role and a behind the scenes role? Yeah, is an ambassadorship, which is it's a, a third a, driver. Yeah. I so I think what Lawson's presumably still the reserve, um, and or or perhaps um, I don't know. Maybe they'll put a Wasser in that role for some races as well. But um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a it's a salary, isn't it? Frankly. And I, I would be surprised if Ricardo isn't testing a lot of different cars next year outside of Formula One. And I think he should be, because he would be an extreme asset to a lot of those teams. And if you're if you're ahead of a championship like WEC, like IndyCar, if you're not desperately trying to get a team to sign Daniel Ricardo in a Bernie eccleston style way, then you're missing a trick because what he can bring to that is so much, he can bring Netflix Netflix will cover, will do an IndyCar race with Drive to Survive anyway, there'll be an episode set in IndyCar if Daniel Ricciardo goes there, so commercially for these kind of series that I really want to do well it'd be great to get Ricciardo, but also for Ricciardo as a driver, I think he would do really well there and yeah, I really hope he doesn't um, cling on to Formula 1, to the detriment of his career, because I completely get why he would because if it were me and i done like moved from australia to europe to try and do this and then it was taken away from me i would cling on and i completely get why he's clinging on but i hope for his sake
0: that at one point he does also have a look around yeah well, well, agreed yeah um <clears throat> and three more drivers to touch on and we have about five minutes to do it so we're gonna have to be a bit swift on it as Freddie finishes his wine um but logan sargent wine bloody hell got his uh <laughs> william seat for next season, um, he slipped place in the championship, he finished fourth, that was more than what he needed to do, anyway, um, yeah, Nigel, a few words.
1: Yeah, he deserves it, I will say, the two races he did, it was visibly, he was like very yeah. edgy watching him, I think he could <clears> tell that he just wanted to stay out of an instant or crash and that kind of thing, so I don't think we saw the best of him in Abu Dhabi, uh, but what we will get, is a very exciting driver, a brilliant lineup for Williams as well. Albon and Sargent, probably the strongest lineup they've had for some time, I'd, I'd think. Uh, and it's good for F1 to have an American driver. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about how we are, I think, we're all impressed by Sergeant to go back and watch that. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's going to fit in well with F1. Um, yeah, he should be a good fit for Williams, I think.
2: And best Williams lineup since Weber and Rosberg? Probably, yeah. Is that 2005, 6? Six, six, yeah. Depending on your opinion of Kibitza. Um, Podas and Massa i not too bad. Yeah, Podas and Massa. I think, um, I think there, but... were, there were definitely negatives in that lineup. But to echo what Nigel said, definitely a, a point, and he's mega. Let's have him line up, and um, from from F three to get him into the into the academy, and then just to think, yeah, he's continues to be mega. Yeah, let's have yeah. him. And I really like that from a team, and I think they just embellish that pretty well. Well, yeah. at Williams.
0: Yeah, um, that means that as one North American driver comes in, then another bows out of F1, um, Nicholas Latifi, Freddie, some words on him, but not too many.
2: Lovely guy, really capable at points, but just this year was torrid for him. And unfortunately, because yeah, Like we've said before, we were all in the opinion that he definitely deserved the third year in F1 last year. And he was qualifying fantastically and racing fantastically for definitely the second half of 2021 and was really earning and really solidifying his plays in Formula One. But this year just hasn't worked. And he's had some good moments, but just also hasn't. And I think, you know, you look at drives like, you look at weekends like Monza and it's just not worked for him. And you know, he's had a good time of it and he's, I think he's in the top 10, maybe top 15 of most experienced drivers for Williams anyway. So, <laughs> um, take that and enjoy a lavazza and, you know, yeah, he's a, he's such a pleasant man to be in a formula one, but it's a shame it hasn't worked out, but yeah, hopefully whatever he does next will be nice. Yeah.
0: It's just, yeah. I great Yeah, Um, yeah, so do I. And, um, Final driver stepping away for now, at least. Uh, Mick Schumacher. We might talk more about him in a future episode about um, where he may land. Um, but it was kind of a quiet um, Grand Prix, apart from when he tagged Latifi and they both went into the wall. Um, so you know that was a great end to um, <laughs> that was a great end to his uh, career in F one for now. Um, but Nigel, circling back to you to finish again, a few words on Schumacher. Where do you think he'll go next? Oh, good
1: no question that. maybe not that
0: maybe just like (laughs) heading into the off season where is he at I guess
1: I think it was harsh to lose his seat I think we had this debate a couple of weeks ago I think he should have kept his seat rather than Hulkenberg I think he's very much improved this year just hasn't had the car to have it in the second half of the season he's matched or even been better than Magnussen so I think he's just been a bit unfortunate uh, with the timing of his improvement and I'd love to see him at a different team that's not Hass uh because I think he'd be much better. So yeah it's a shame that it's gone but just like Ricardo I think we will see
0: him back. Yeah um yeah I, I agree. Um and we will as I say talk more about that and a lot of other storylines heading into the F1 off season. So stay tuned for those because they will be dropping and yeah it'll be kind of nice to um yeah kind of have a bit more time and freedom to explore some of those yeah. but Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you for joining us, um, anyone who's joined us through this season. Because yeah, it's been a, it's been a fantastic year. I've really enjoyed it. And Our
2: third season.
0: Yeah, third season. Our as third a F1 podcast. season done. Mm, closing on two hundred episodes. Our third
2: set of F1 regs.
0: <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in the off season, and goodbye.
2: Bye bye. Stay safe.